Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is the power of influence. In everyone's life, there are people who impact and influence us. They mold and shape who we will become. Their power can be substantial. Their power can be detrimental. But nevertheless, the power brokers, the influencers, have an effect on our lives and who we are to become. When I look back at my life, I see many people who influenced me greatly in a marvelous way. They influenced my life for good. And in those moments, it's then that I can take a few steps back and realize that, Lord willing, I will have influenced others for good as well. Perhaps in ways that I may never know, I've helped and I've hoped and I've healed. I've learned about the power of influence as a small child. When I was a little girl, a little old woman came into my life. She was about five feet tall and had a smile that could light up a room. Her name was Thelma. She lived in a small town called Aiken. She had seen incredible hardships throughout her life. Most of her family was dead. She had lived through the Great Depression. Her home had burned down. She had suffered loss of a stillborn son. And if that wasn't enough, her husband died of a heart attack, leaving her to raise two small children alone. But even with all of those setbacks, she was an amazing woman. I would watch her walk down the streets of the town on one of her shopping sprees. Her little gray hair would be tucked in a neat bun in the back of her head, her little belted dresses with a sweater, her blue eyes shining like the afternoon sky. Her hands had once played piano, but now they were gnarly and crooked. I would see her at times and listen to her. She would smile and say, Hello, Ralph, how's the wife? As she'd walk by some man down the street. I've been praying she'd feel better, she'd say to Ralph. Ralph would talk with her. Then she'd move down the street. Hello, Anne, did your husband get the job I've been praying about? And on and on it went. Everyone seemed to know her. Everyone spoke of her. Prayer support. I told myself someday I want to be just like that. I was about eight years old when I first observed these shopping sprees. But the interesting thing about Thelma was this. She wasn't just that person shopping downtown Aiken. When she got home with her little bags later in the day, I watched as Thelma threw the big sofa pillow to the floor, kneeled on it, and began to call out to God, not just about the world crisis or famines or troubles, but about Anne's husband's job and about Tom's financial crisis and Susan's cancer and my test at school. She led many people to Christ just by her example, and she helped me understand the power of prayer. I watched it. I witnessed God's relationship with Thelma, my grandma, for the 33 years that I got to call her Grandma. The thing about influence is that every single one of us have the power to influence others, and we have the power to influence for good. Today, as we continue to focus on this topic, I am thrilled to welcome with me in the studio, Executive Pastor of Menlo Church, blogger, leadership coach, Jenny Catron. Jenny's the author of two amazing books, Clout, Discover, and Unleash Your God-Given Influence, and her latest book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, The Power of Leading from Your Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. And that one releases on December 1st, but you can pre-order now. Jenny's passion is to inspire, equip, and encourage others to lead well. Listeners, recently I heard Jenny teaching on the power of influence, and my heart and spirit resonated with every word she said. 
I received encouragement and energy from it, and I'm blessed to have her on the show today as we talk about her powerful ideas that God's given her about influence and leadership. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's fun to get to know you and be a part of the conversation today. So so thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you bet. I'm glad you're here. Jenny, I listened to your sermon on influence and loved a statement that you made. You said you are made to influence the world in a way that no one else can. Can you mm-hmm. expand on that idea for us? And do you really believe that, Jenny? That yeah, we each yeah, yeah. have influence. You know, that statement for me was kind of an, a personal aha, you know, because I think a lot of us, you know, life can just get a little bit ordinary, and we can spend so much of our lives just comparing ourselves to others and thinking like we're not measuring up to either our own standards or other people's standards. or And so we just kind of get lost sometimes in a lack of just identity in the unique way that God has equipped us in the unique way that He's gifted us and He's designed us. And we know that's true intellectually from Scripture and that, you know, God says He knows, you know, knew us before we were formed in our mother's wombs. He knows the number of hairs on our head. You know, we know all those promises in Scripture, and yet in real life we forget that God has uniquely designed us and created us. And so it had just become such a huge passion for me to help people realize that you really were made to influence the world in a way that no one else can. And recognizing that the place that we are, the people that we're around, the circumstances that we're in, we're the only person in kind of the center of that spot. And that there are people in our lives that we're designed to influence in ways that no one else can. And I believe it deeply and just, you know, um, get pretty passionate about trying to help people recognize those points of influence that they have so that they can be more intentional about stewarding them. And I know we're going to talk about this in just a little bit, but for me in my life, Jenny, um, the people who have really played an important role in influencing me were just the average everyday people out there. So I love that you're encouraging us that we do have influence and that we can use it to help people. Now, in the same fabulous talk that I listened to, you discussed the power of influence um, and you talked about the dark side. Now, that was an interesting concept to me. Hmm. Share with the listeners your thoughts about that, about the dark side. Yeah, yeah. I What I realized in my own life, so I've always had this passion for leadership, and leadership begins with influence, so it's really that recognition of our influence on others, and then how do we steward that to really lead, you know, to whatever vision we feel like God has called us to lead. And as I was, you know, just in my early days of leadership, running ahead to try to live out these visions— it, I started recognizing the things that were continually holding me back and tripping me up. And they were things like fear. You know, I think we all would say, you know what, we all wrestle with fear from time to time, and that gets in our way. It can be things like insecurity, and there were plenty of those things, things that I was insecure about, whether it was um, not, you know, really having a lot of confidence in what I was doing or you know, insecurity about did I belong, did I measure up, you know, all of those doubt questions that we deal with the comparison thing. So as I began to look at my own life as a leader and I realized, you know what, there are things that are repeatedly tripping me up. And what I was doing is I was just trying to stuff those down and pretend they weren't there and keep leading and influencing and doing all these grandiose things. Um, And I recognized that those things are going to keep hindering me. They were going to keep stalling me. Doubts were going to continue to creep in unless I really started slowed down to look at that and say, okay, God, what's going on there? What 
what is impacting my, why are these things continually impacting my leadership? And is there something I need to do to more intentionally pay attention to fears, to insecurity, to how comparison is kind of wreaking havoc on my leadership? So that's really the dark side to me is that oftentimes as leaders, we race ahead to the things we want to lead before we lead ourselves first. And so I often will tell other people, lead yourself well to lead others better. And I needed to lead myself well in, in slowing down to recognize the fears that were I was you know, facing, the insecurities I was wrestling with, pride, control, like lots of different things. And we all have a different like kind of uh, uh, assortment of those things that impact us from time to time. But that for me is the dark side of leadership is that we really need to pay attention to uh, those emotions that can really hold us back from leading well. And I think that's such a powerful statement when you're saying that you have to really work at leading yourself well before you lead others. Because, I mean, obviously, if people are following you and you're, you know, not being able to deal with things yourself, how can they follow you? So that is so really very wise. You also say the work you've been given is an extraordinary gift that God's entrusted you to. I like to think about that, Jenny. Mm -hmm. I like to think about it being a gift. What would you say to the person who thinks that their job, their work is mundane and boring and, and they have nothing to offer others? Yeah. Well, and I think that sometimes where we misunderstand, you know, when there's a passage from Galatians that I often reference, you know, when I'm talking about leadership and influence, and it's Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 from the Message Translation says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. And so, um, but the work we've been given, like a lot of times I immediately go to my job, you know, my responsibility, you know, my paycheck. And not all of us get to have, you know, the wonderful dream job. You know, that's not always our reality. And so I think sometimes we can get a little stumped there when we see our the work that God has given us to do as only the job that we go to get paid, you know, to help, you know, put food on the table and pay the bills. Um, so I think it's a, it's opening up from that a little bit and recognizing the work that we've been given is really all the different ways God allows us to live out our influence. So the work we've been given is the work we do in influencing our families. Um, it is the work that we do in the in the workplace and the people that we're around and, you know, and how we engage with them. It is how we volunteer. It is how we, our, the work we've been given is really more of this partnership with God to live out the Great Commission here um, on earth. And so... The, the thing that I would say to encourage people in, you know, if you're in a less than extraordinary, you know, place of, of, uh, of work and, you, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I live out my influence? Well, I would say start seeing the people around you as, you know, humans created in the image of God and they're messy and they're complicated and sometimes they're just ornery and frustrating. And yet they're God's creation and he's put us in, in, proximity to them to have influence in their life. So how can I love them well? How can I serve them well? How can I show Christ's love to them? So in the midst of doing the, my job, which may or may not be wonderful, you know, depending on your circumstance, how can I love and serve and influence the people around me well? And I think that can help change or reshape your perspective on the work that, you're, that you have right now. 
I like to think of it as an opportunity. Um, right. How can you have that opportunity to use the tools and the gifts that God's given? And I think that that is incredibly right, Jenny, as you're talking about it. It makes a lot of sense to my brain because, you know, we're not just made up of who we are in a job. If we think about that, right. um, it's just not really, you know, who we really are completely. And in that same talk that you gave at Menlo Church, you talked about the power of influence that no one else in the Bible had that was so incredibly, overwhelmingly influential, um, other than Jesus Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. And I mm-hmm. thought, wow, that's just an interesting avenue. Tell us a little bit about what you think. Yeah, I, you know, I'm fascinated by the Apostle Paul, mostly because my role as executive pastor at Menlo and uh, in the church I served before I came here is I work directly with our campuses, and we have locations across the Bay Area here in the San Francisco area. And so I get to work with like all these can- all these different um, uh, locations of Menlo Church, and I-, I became fascinated with Paul's writings because Paul was writing and encouraging the new churches. You know that I mean this was the early church, this was the beginning of the church as we know it, and Paul was just inc- inspiring them, encouraging them, spurring them on. You know because we know how difficult ministry is, we know how difficult sharing the Great Commission is. And here, this is the early church, where it's, it's incredibly fragile. And, um, and Paul, so I think Paul was such an influential person in Christianity, because he was one of those primary voices influencing many of the early churches. And so for that, I just think his influence is remarkable. And what also stands out to me is that for a good portion of that, Paul was imprisoned. So for anybody who could think that he had no more influence, because here he is, he thinks he's got this responsibility to help, you know, carry out um, the message of the gospel, to carry on Jesus' teaching, and yet then he becomes imprisoned. So it'd be really easy if I'm in his shoes to think, okay, God, I guess I misunderstood your calling on my life. And instead, he, you know, he preaches the gospel from his prison cell. Like, he writes church or writes letters to the churches from his prison cell. So I'm so inspired by Paul because he didn't let his circumstances stop him from living out his calling. And I've got to tell you, that convicts me all the time, because I'll find every excuse to say, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to do that, or maybe I don't have the influence because it doesn't look all pretty and nice. But I just love Paul's conviction to stay committed to his calling, even though his circumstances were less than, you know, wonderful. Exactly. And what an incredible influence he was with writing all of the books of the Bible and affecting so many people and affecting our lives even today. And I love the fact that you say that one of the most influential people in your own personal walk was your grandma. Tell us a little bit about Mm. that, Jenny. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think understanding the importance of, you know, that statement we made earlier, that you made influence the world in a way that no one else can, that resonates so deeply because my my grandmother, I called her nanny, um, she was a part of my life from a very early age. My um, parents divorced when I was five years old, and so my mom was a single mom of two, trying to juggle and make ends meet and kind of figure life out. And so Nanny was the one who kept my sister and I most days. We spent most of our days with her. And so she just loved us well, right? She she included us. She taught us. She encouraged us. She um reprimanded us. She she just loved us well, and also she she shared the love of Jesus with us. So up until that point, my family didn't know, um, had not been very involved in church or really understood faith. 
and my grandmother was instrumental in um, us coming to know Jesus and praying with us and spending time with us. And so it was the very ordinary things that she did. It was the things like, you know, tending her garden. But I learned so much by just being with her in those really ordinary moments of life. But because of her love and her consistency in our life in a time that was really tumultuous, she planted just extraordinary seeds. And I just, she's one of the people that I just absolutely love the most and have the most respect for because of how she loved and served me. And so really ordinary influence, but it had a powerful effect in my life. So what that makes me think is that if we're out there today, you're listening to the show and we're out in everyday life and we're living, we don't have to be something incredibly spectacular that we're not. We don't have to think, okay, great, you know, I'm going to be talking to 40,000 people today and that makes me influential. What I like what you're saying, Jenny, is that we are responsible to influence with our love and our compassion and our gifts with our neighborhood. You know, it's like that verse from the Message Bible that says that um, he became flesh and and dwelt among us, but it's in the message, it's um, moved into the neighborhood. And so if we're Christ-like, we're in our own neighborhood doing good work like your nanny did. I mean, how fabulous Mm -hmm. is that? Listeners, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. And today in the studio, we're chatting with one of my favorite speakers, leadership coaches, as well as author of a new book coming out, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, The Power of Leading from Your Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength, Jenny Catron. Jenny, if you could leave our listeners with one last thought about the power of influence in our lives, what would you tell them? I would probably just reinforce a lot of what we've talked about, Kathy, and that I love that passage from Galatians that I referenced. It just says, make a careful exploration of who you are. And I think sometimes we can race ahead to some grandiose ideas and um, the big dreams that we have, and none of those things are wrong. But I think that make a careful exploration of who you are really involves first that understanding of who we are, created in the image of Christ, children of God, like we are His. And knowing who we are first and foremost as a child of God really sets the foundation for where our leadership and influence will birth from. And then Another part of understanding who we are is look, taking a time to just reflect on what are the ways that God has gifted me. Um, maybe it's a spiritual gifts assessment that you need to do. Um, maybe it's getting people in your life to affirm the things you're good at. A lot of times the things that we're good at, we will ignore because they seem easy to us, but we don't actually recognize that that is a gift that God has given us. And so making that exploration of the gifts that you have, some of the talents that you have, and also looking at the experiences and the opportunities that have shaped your life. Because I think for me, sometimes, especially the negative experiences, I will kind of dismiss, but we know that God works all things together for good. And so when we dismiss some of the experiences that um, that we didn't love about our stories, I think we dismiss parts of how God could use our influence. Because oftentimes it's the things that were difficult or challenging or a bit painful in my life he can use to influence the people around me in unique ways because I can resonate with their story when I'm willing to bring mine um, to the table. So I would just encourage everybody who's listening that God has something very specific in mind for you. Like He has a place of influence uh, that you're in that 
uh, I would just encourage you to make the careful exploration and really look for an understanding of where God has placed you, how He's gifted you, and the people around you that you might be, I mean, you're influencing them whether you're paying attention, whether you really realize it or not. So how could you be more intentional to influence the people around you in a way that encourages them, supports them, and loves them well? Well, that was Jenny Catron, and you can find her at JennyCatron.com. You can purchase her books at CBD.com or Amazon, and can find her sermons at MenloChurch.com. And friends, the sermon that impacted me so deeply from Jenny can be found at Menlo.church backslash sermon backslash influence. Thanks for being on the show, Jenny, and thanks for being such a wonderful impact and influence on so many lives. Thank you so much, Kathy. It was an honor to talk with you all today, and I'm so grateful for the ministry you're doing, so thank you. Thanks. Blessings. Scripture tells us in Romans 12:1, So brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to Him. When we give our lives to God, He can use us. The definition of influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone. Let's listen to this song by Britt Nicole called Set the World on Fire.
What encouraging words. I want to feed the hungry children and reach across the farthest land and tell the broken there's healing and mercy in the Father's hands. When we love others with the Father's love, we make an impact on those around us. When we use who we are to make others' lives better, we use our influence. And speaking of love, let's check in with our movie critic, Rob Proper, with the bottom line in this week's movie review. Hi, listeners. This is Rob Proper. My wife and I went to see the movie Old Fashioned. Old Fashioned is a unique movie. It may be classified as romance, but it is an altogether different kind of love story. It's a movie with genuine characters, characters with troubled pasts who wonder if life and love can be something more than what the world has given them so far. The movie begins with a wonderful quote, Love makes your soul crawl out of its hiding place. In the opening, we meet Clay, played by Rick Schwartzwelder. Clay is hard at work running his antique store. Due to past mistakes, Clay doesn't believe that love is in his future. But does God have other plans? Enter Amber. Amber, played by Elizabeth Roberts, is coasting into town on the last bit of gas money she has saved up for her current adventure. Amber is a restless spirit, seeing how far a jar full of pocket money can bring her as she travels from place to place and leaves her past behind. Will they have more than just friendly conversation? It's a good question, because Old Fashioned has an amazing cast of characters that do a great job of telling the world's perspectives on dating. Amber's new friends think Clay is weird, and Clay's own friends don't get him. While circumstances ultimately bring Clay and Amber together, Clay's odd perspective on dating and Amber's fear of new relationships makes theirs progress at a different pace. Clay's theory is, quote, I don't believe that dating trains us to be good husbands and wives. It just trains us to be good dates. That's it. It trains us to be skilled in the superficial. Clay does not believe in looking for the right person but rather in growing spiritually into the right person for someone else. Old Fashioned is full of dialogue that really made me think. One of them that I meditate on as I think about my daughters is from Clay. He says, quote, A lot of the boundaries that used to be common, that we've thrown away, were there to protect us. We're bombarded with TV shows and movies that tell us that dating is supposed to be about having fun, but most likely will end in heartache. Yet the truth is that none of us knows what tomorrow brings. What if we did slow down? What if we did seek God's direction and help? After all, he says in Jeremiah 29:11 that he has plans to give us a future and hope. Bottom line, watch this movie. It offers a great glimpse at what it looks like to fall in love not lust. If you agree with Clay and have young people or older people in your life who aren't married yet, ask them to watch it. This movie reminds me that in Jesus, we can be more and have more than this world and its ways can ever give. Old Fashioned is rated PG-13, and the runtime is 115 minutes. This is Rob Proper, and that's the bottom line. Thanks, Rob, for that review. Sounds like Farmer Dean and I need to get out and see that one. Jenny Catron told us, you are made to influence the world in a way that no one else can. Don't you love those words? 
Friends, when we take our eyes off of ourselves, when we look up and around us, when we love others and serve them by just being who God made us to be, just ourselves, we're using influence on those around us. We have the power to impact for good and for God. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You may have thought that a small little hunchback grandma could not play such a powerful role in the lives of a small town, but she did. You may not believe that her kneeling at the feet of Jesus every day to lift up the needs of those around her mattered, but it did. You may not believe that this same little grandma taught me about the power of prayer and that every life matters, but she did. I'm a better person because my grandma Thelma influenced my life. How will you make your mark on this world? How will you use your power of influence? Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, I pray for all of our listeners out there. I pray that you, God, will help us to realize the value in loving one another, in living for you, in being who we are so that we can be used by you to impact and influence the world around us and make a difference in the lives right next to us. Help us to love like you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Listeners, if you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, Your Best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.